Hi, everybody. I'm Patrick McEnroe, and this is Holding Court. All right, time for another special edition here of Holding Court. Uh, I promised you tennis fans and anyone else who happens to be listening, though I, I understand it's a lot of tennis fans, but we're trying to branch out get into some other issues and certainly we've had the opportunity to do that here on holding court uh, with the Peng Shui situation with the vaccination issue in Australia what's going to happen there but we're going to stay with Peng Shui I think for the majority of this one although my next guest is someone that uh, we've been we've been trying to get a time down to talk and it wasn't going to be about this issue uh, it was going to be about the fact that he was a heck of a tennis player as a kid and as a college student and we played against each other and I guess in those days it was a Pac-10 I went to Stanford many of you know that but Kurt Streeter who's joining me now played at Cal Berkeley and more importantly than that well maybe not more importantly Kurt I'm a, you could tell me is a big time journalist now he wrote for the LA Times for 15 years covering sports politics race uh, and so on. And then with ESPN, the magazine is a senior writer there. And now he's with the New York Times for the last uh, couple of years. And very happy to have the old scrappy left-hander, uh, for someone I can talk to on holding court. Kurt, how are you? Patrick, I'm doing good. Yeah, it's nice to, nice to uh, chat. Nice to, nice to, nice I, think to I, I was thinking back to the first time that, that we actually played. I think it was doubles in Belvedere or Tiburon. In, okay. Like 1982. And you, you guys crushed me and my partner. <laughs> uh, I wish I could say I remember that, Kurt, but I do. Yeah, I, you probably don't. I do remember you were a you know, scrappy yeah. lefty, and uh, I yeah. think I think you like to come in a bit because you were pretty good in doubles. I mean, you played singles at Cal as well. Uh, I hated going playing at Cal at Berkeley when I was at Stanford. I hated it. It was, always felt like the weather was bad. It was windy. Uh, did, yeah. we ever, did we ever play against each other in a dual match? Not in, uh, not directly, not okay. directly, no. But just uh, team against team. Yeah, you, yeah, team against team. We had some, we had some good battles, no doubt about it. Yeah, yeah. And, was there, <laughs> and then I, yeah, I was, uh, I think, one year behind. So. And you played uh, on the tour for a little bit for a couple of years. You played on the tour, yeah. and then you um, made the very smart decision, as we look at your amazing career as a writer, uh, to go into this world and uh, as I said you spent 15 years with the LA Times and I know you wrote about a lot of things outside of sports as well transportation religion um, what what what's been the one thing before we get into this topic because I obviously want to pick your brain you just released um, uh, a piece in the New York Times just today that's up about China and the corporate involvement etc but what's the thing over the years that has interested you the most about your your journalistic yeah. career yeah well I think that I think for me it's always been primarily about giving voice to the voiceless you know so mm. spending time with and writing about people who uh, you know who, who aren't usually in the news um, or or focusing on issues that that many of my colleagues sort of, uh, you know, sometimes miss or are not that interested in. So, uh, in the sports world, that means, you know, focusing a lot on, uh, on sort of, uh, the hypocrisy of sport and the moral behind it, uh, in my non-sports, uh, work that was in Los Angeles, for instance, spending a lot of time with gang members and in, in prisons and with, in the inner city, uh, I was one of the last people to spend a lot of time with Rodney King right before he died. Um, you know, those just, <laughs> just, yeah, that, that, that really, those sorts of stories, um, 
just really mean a lot to me. And that's why I really got into the business. Not to, not to necessarily be around power or write about power so much or, or um, famous people or anything like that. Uh, I, I appreciate and, and love and try to speak for the, speak for the underdog as much as possible. Well, speaking of speaking for the voiceless, that brings us to uh, obviously this Peng Shui situation. And I want to, I know you've written a piece specifically on that right at the beginning of this story when it came out about five, six weeks ago. And then obviously the larger issue of what it means for sports, for corporations in China. But let's start with Peng Shui and, and talk about taking some voice away that's exactly what's happened to her uh in the last six weeks so this sounds like the kind of story that's obviously been right up your alley no exactly i mean what a terrible situation and just what a sort of a front to, to humanity that uh and, and human values that somebody that would speak out as she did you know making she made she made uh, allegations of uh, sexual abuse toward a, toward a member of a high-ranking member of of the Chinese Communist Party, and uh, that's that's not something that's taken lightly in that country. Uh, anytime that, at least from my understanding, from talking to experts, anytime that uh, power in China is uh, is embarrassed, especially international, there's going to be repercussions. So I think she, I imagine, she knew that there were going to be re- repercussions. I am not sure that China. Uh, quite understood that, uh, you know, was sort of messing with the wrong person, that there was going to be a, a, a vast international response to um, it's, it's uh, what clearly what its treatment of, uh, of a tennis player, a, a player who uh, operates on the international stage, who has friends all over the world and is, you know, as far as I know, is beloved within her sport. Uh, this is something that had immediately had a ripple effect uh, far beyond China's borders. And uh, we don't really know much about what's going on with her right now. And if we head into the Olympics and we don't know, uh, wow, what a, if we we haven't heard from her in any credible way um, where she, where we feel confident that she's speaking freely, uh, that will certainly add to the, the, to the troubles uh, heading into the, you know, during, during, during the Beijing games. And I know you're already troubled enough. Right. And I know Kurt, you're planning on attending the games for the New York times. Uh, so there'll be plenty for you to deal with uh, over there. But let me ask you two things. Number one, uh, what do you make of the stance that the women's tennis association has taken? And then number two, uh, which you just referenced in your previous ans- answer, what do you make of the position uh, that the IOC has taken on the Peng Shui situation? Mm, yeah, I've written a little bit about this. Uh, WTA, Steve Simon, and the stance that uh, the organization has taken and uh, the, the in- individual stars and and players at all levels in that sport that, that I've seen speak up, and including the great champions like Martina and uh, Billie Jean, Chris Everett, and the like, uh, they have uh, been absolute uh, just stalwarts in terms of their leadership on this issue. So I mean, it's, it's, they've been they've been amazing, uh, and need and deserve all the kudos that, that I, I think that they're that they're getting. Um, it, was a, it was a pretty bold, obviously a very bold stance with a lot of uh, potential financial repercussions. I, one of the things that I'm interested in, though, is that, you know they may be losing. Uh, losing monetarily uh, within China. But it would be interesting to see if there's actually, a, on, the, on the flip side, um, you know, maybe they pick up sponsors and they, and they certainly picked up a sort of, sort of positive gloss to their brand uh, overall be, by being the, the only 
sports organization that's really stood up uh, for human rights uh, in in China uh, the, the way they have. So there actually may be some some positives out of this for them uh, financially. I'll be interesting. Uh, I think that'll be interesting to watch. I certainly am. I've always been a big supporter of the WTA and I, and and have loved what they've stood for and. Uh, I'm going to be watching them even, even more closely. I'm sure a lot of people will. Uh, so great job. Hats off to them as, as, you know, particularly when compared to some of the other leagues and sports figures and how they've buckled in the past to China. Uh, I would say in terms of the IOC, it is the same old, same old. I mean, this is an organization that, uh, uh, you know, really sort of, to me, uh, and, and I'm hardly alone. Uh, deeply flawed, uh, needs, uh, you know, needs a do over, needs a, needs a makeover. Um, then the problems in the IOC, IOC, I, I believe run, run, run deep. I'm not surprised that they've been very weak on this and, uh, you know, seem to be, you know, uh, almost aiding and abetting the, the, the Chinese party line here. And it's hard to say whether they're just, what are they, are they that ignorant or do they, I mean, it's just incredible that they've gone along with, with and, and accepted pretty much what, what the Chinese government has said about where Ping is, Ping is and how she's doing. And um, so uh, they're not looking too good out of this, I don't believe. Yeah, it sort of looks like they've become the mouthpiece of the Chinese Communist Party with at least the two video calls and then a couple of interviews, which I've seen from some former IOC executives, which to me have just been an absolute travesty, complete joke. Uh, some of the things that they're saying and, you know, ex-athletes, for example, interviewed Peng Shui in the first video call and ex-athletes know about pressure and this. And I'm like, mm-hmm. what is this guy saying? I mean, this just makes absolutely no sense. Now, you said... In a, you actually wrote an article sort of halfway through this past year, which was w- w- way before any of this came came to head as far as Peng Shui is concerned, talking about that you believe it's time for the Olympics themselves to be reimagined, is I think the word you use. Mm-hmm. So explain mm-hmm. explain to the audience sort of what you mean by that. Well, I think in, in that column, I was really, I was really sort of, I didn't. I haven't really come up with an exact solution. I'm even ask, I was asking readers to to weigh in and, and let's start a conversation on it. Uh, which I, then I, I wrote more about what the reader response to that was. But I think it's just a it's just a recognition of the fact that the IOC and then this whole the Olympic movement uh, to its critics and that there are many critics, a cascade of critics uh, that 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 the movement is broken. Uh, in so many ways of, of how how this great potentially great event operates, and um, you know from everything from you know, well, you know the countries that it's choosing to to uh, uh, to operate in China, Russia. I mean, this is now the sec. China will now become the first country that that has uh, hosted both the Summer Games and the Winter Games. Uh, all in the backdrop of really heinous, uh, you know, human rights uh, abuses. How could the IOC end up going there? It's just, it's just, it, it's just uh, beyond the pale, really. So, I, it's 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 sort of a uh, a, a fantasy of mine that, that 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 the IOC would would could change greatly. I'm very skeptical about whether they would actually. Uh, whether that'll actually happen, they're so deeply entrenched in their ways. We're just gonna. I think there's just gonna have to be continuing criticism and continuing pressure on them to to do better. 
Uh, and in this case, for instance, going forward, pick pick better sites. That's one thing. Don't mm-hmm. go to countries. Don't go to countries that are run by authoritarian regimes that engage in uh, you know terrible uh, human rights abuses. I mean, hello. <laughs> that should be that should be that should uh, be the top of the list, right? Yeah, that should be the top of the list to me. Um, but you know, then the way they put on these games, the, the massive cost overruns, their arrogance going into these countries. I mean, most of the people in J- in Japan, uh, because of COVID, did not want the games to go on this summer. They wanted them to be pro- postponed again. And the IOC. You know, jam the jam the games down the Japanese people's throats. Uh, you know, and they were lucky to pull it off, uh, seemingly without a spike in COVID there. Although there have been varying reports on that, I'm not 100 percent sure that 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 there wasn't a, a spike of some sort. Um, but they weren't exactly, uh, you know, uh, partners that seemed to be really listening to the people of Japan. And I think that that um, you know that that was very telling. That was absolutely very telling. But there's so many, so many different issues that you could go on and, and you know, uh, uh, bribery to the top officials, all these issues that also, of course, affect FIFA and, all, you know, the, a, a very similar sort of international organization that sort of just operates on its own uh, without any real oversight. Yeah, I think I just read somewhere that a former IOC official got sentenced to 30 years yeah. in prison. That just happened, I think, in the last 24 hours. Uh, Kurt Streeter is joining me here on Holding Court. He writes sports of the Times column for the New York Times and uh, also played a heck of a <clears throat> uh, level of tennis growing up and uh, at Cal Berkeley alongside yours truly in the Pac-10 and the st- for Stanford. Uh, and now he's just an esteemed columnist. And uh, you said something earlier, Kurt, that that struck a chord with me. In fact, uh, I brought up to a couple of China experts in the last uh, couple of weeks in covering this story, and where you said in, in discussing the WTA that you know maybe this will turn out that even though they're going to lose, uh, assuming they follow through on this, not having events in China lose a significant amount of money. Uh, maybe their brand uh, recognition and, and over time, maybe they'll make that money back and then some in different parts of the world. They held the year-end uh, championships uh, in Mexico this year, which were supposed to have been in China, uh, the big event for the uh, end of the year for the women. So they had that. It was successful. They didn't make the same money, obviously, that they would have made in China. But a, a lot of people have been telling me, Kurt, that they feel that that's sort of the tipping point, whether you, know, you write today about the corp, corporate America and how come we haven't heard anything from them when it comes to the Olympics and China. And the reason is obvious. It's economics because they make more, so much money in China, whether it's Apple, whether it's Nike, whether it's uh, you know, Coca-Cola, whomever. So the point is, is that it, 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 do you think it's possible you know, the, the WTA is, is, is probably because of what's happened in COVID, right? The last two years, everybody had to sort of pivot and say, hmm, what are we going to do to survive here? How are we going to keep ourselves going? We can't play in China. We can't go here. We have the French Open. We're going to move it from the spring to the, to the fall this year. We're going to do whatever we can. And, and maybe mm-hmm. that nimbleness that they had to uh, discover is part of the mm-hmm. reason they thought, hmm, maybe now is the time to take a stand. You think there's some truth to that? Hmm. That's an interesting. That is an interesting thought, huh? That there, that that this last, uh, that the pandemic and how they've how they've operated that 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 very well could be. Um, no matter what, no matter what the reason, uh, I think they look. They come out of this looking 
fantastic and poised to really uh, ex- extend their brand in ways that that, is, that has never been done before. I, I think, you know, they've kind of gotten, uh, you know, I mean, how, how could you not admire the stance that, that, they, that they've taken and how could this not be, in the end, I think, good for, for them, uh, you know, everywhere outside of, of China. Um, it has taken n- nimbleness, it has taken guts, uh, and it's taken leadership and when, and upstepped Steve Simon, who, you know, I think you, you and I have probably known since I remember when Steve was would at, in, at Indian Wells in the 1980s, when he was the like, tournament director there. Right, or, right exactly. Or so. I mean, he, yeah. he was tournament director of the, of the pre-qualifying that I was <laughs> right. playing in, yep. like, in like 1987. Right. And it's just been really, uh, really something to see him, uh, to see him stand up. I know that he's had obviously a lot of support. You don't do this on your own. But uh, for him to take the lead like this, it does take leadership. Sometimes it takes one person to just be willing to say, hey, this, you know, enough is enough. Sometimes there are some things that are more important than money. And, uh, and I think that uh, if, if, you know, sure, yeah, we're a capitalist country and, you know, and, and uh, money's great. But uh, human values, human ethics, um, we're talking in this case about, uh, you know, the, the State Department, uh, dozens of you know human rights organizations other countries have described this as as genocide and when you're using when you're using that word when you're using that word that is a that's man that that's serious when we're talking about what's happened to the to the, uh, the muslims and uh, muslim population in western china um of course china china rebuts that but you know <laughs> this is very serious this is not this is this is very serious stuff and uh, I, uh, I think standing up is the appropriate thing to do in this case. Um, it's not just a kind of a run-of-the-mill problem. You talk about Kurt, as you said, you know, very eloquently, giving voice to the voiceless and speaking out. And, and, and even in this issue, I think I, I sense a little bit from you that you, you don't really think all of this is possible, meaning, so I guess my question to you is, what do you think is possible? Meaning, is it, are we going, are we, the, the, this world, the IOC, the WTA, sports in general, are, are we, should we be trying to change China's behavior in a way that we think is appropriate? Or should we just say, you know what, we're going to find a way to do this without you? And, and whether that's the Olympic Games or, or just sports in general, whatever it is, we all, we all understand the economics of the world and how intertwined we are in this country with China and with so many other, you know, other parts of the world where uh, I wouldn't say they exactly value human rights in the same ways. By the way, some countries which tennis goes to play in as well. So I guess, yes. I guess my question is, what, what would be the, the, for Kurt Streeter, what would mm-hmm. be the best outcome through all this, do you think? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, it's hard for me to imagine that China is going to is going to change its ways in any any serious way because of boycotts and all of all of that. I mean, I guess economic pressure on them would 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 uh, do something. I think the most important thing to me is is um, that we find some way to have a have a moral voice um, and take a, take take moral stands and, and ethical stands. In these cases, even if we can't affect total change, uh, I think it's important that we be able to look in the mirror as fans, as media, as 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 players, 
and say that we've done the right thing as much as possible. Um, and there, you know, there's something that that's not nothing. No. <laughs> you know, that's, right. and, and, and so some of it is taking, um, being willing to speak up, being willing to, um, being willing to be active for change, even if that change seems almost impossible, being willing to examine our own relationships and how we're looking at things and self-examine. Um, man, I mean, you know, I, it's just, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm a, your, your listeners might not, not know that I'm African-American. I was deeply influenced by Arthur Ashe. Uh, I think that a lot of the struggles of the, of the African American community in America are things that seem almost impossible to change for, for our community and things that say Arthur, uh, spoke up, uh, about not only in the States, but, but globally seem perhaps impossible to change. And maybe that's the case, but there is something to, to doing the right thing and standing on the right side of history. And I hope that's what I hope, that's what I hope we keep in mind and I hope that we keep changing that way. I'm really excited about writing about sports uh, these days because there are there is more of that sort of activation and more people thinking about uh, issues that are deeper than just the games and the way that athletes and activism the athletes have become activists and fans are becoming activists in, in a way. Uh, let's just stay skeptical. Let's stay. Let's 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 keep willing to challenge power when we can, uh, and and then let's see. What more can we do? So that maybe, gosh, that maybe was a little people of philosophical answer there. <laughs> oh, I love it. No, you've been you're, you're spot on. I mean, great, well said. And uh, I, I can't help but thinking about before I let you go, Kurt, um, <clears throat> you taking the trip to go to China because that's in your plans, right? To go cover yeah. the games for the New York Times. What's your what's your mindset going in, and what do you hope to see? Hmm. I hope to see I hope to see uh, athletes being able to speak speak their mind in some ways uh, I, I, uh, about these issues. I know that that uh, many athletes are very concerned about what's going on. I've tried to reach uh, some of them, and some of them are, are already uh, fearful of speaking out. Um, but I hope that they find the space and are and are allowed to uh, to stand up. Uh, as activists in, in some manner. Um, so that'll, that'll be a great unknown, uh, doing that within China about China. Uh, so for me, I uh, just, uh, I'm glad I'm going there as part of the international press corps, uh, because I'm, you know, I'm, I don't plan on, you know, I plan on trying to tell it like it is from my space as a columnist. Uh, and, uh, I, Certainly, I'm counting on having uh, some protections there uh, uh, in terms of my own security. And I think all journalists are just a little bit, you know, we're, we're all wary. We're yep. all wary of being, you know, how are we going to be, you know, sort of the surveillance state over there. And I mean, that just shows that, you know, they're hosting an Olympics in a, in a place where journalists and uh, athletes, uh, coaches have to be concerned about being spied on. And, um, you know, I, that just should just show the IOC that uh, it needs to it, it needs to rethink how it's doling out its games and you know, where, where it plays the games in the, in the future. 
Well, we're all lucky that uh, you will be there, Kurt, covering it, and I have no doubt that you will continue to tell it like it is. And uh, his article that just came out of you, one of the New York Times, a diplomatic boycott is a start, is a headline, sponsors should act next. So you got to read it. It's a must uh, read, as is his previous articles on all topics, but particularly on this sports and Peng Shui as well. So, Kurt, I appreciate you joining me. Uh, keep working that serve and volley that you you scrapped and clawed back in the day, and I'm sure you st- you're you're still doing it in your own way right now. Every now and then I get <laughs> out there, yeah, fun. We'll hit some sometime. Sounds good. <laughs> I appreciate yeah. you coming on, Kurt. Thank you so much. Right, That's man. Kurt Take Streeter, care. everyone here on Holding Court. Holding Court with Patrick McEnroe is powered by Mud House Media.